You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to, um, if you haven't heard, if you haven't, we've been missing for a while. We've been doing some other stuff. MWR.com. That's the website. Podcast, Mountain West Wire. This is a football edition. Um, Matt, I think um, is, is our morning period over for March Madness being a dud, except for your, the basketball classic champion Fresno State Bulldogs. The uh, completely unexpected championship, I guess you would say. De- delayed game. They had the travel issues to play a day later. Beat Coastal Carolina, so... Can't can't say they didn't earn it though. No, they they played their games. They beat Southern Utah. They beat Coastal. They beat. They should they should have put the Bulldogs in the tournament. That's what we're saying, yeah, yeah. You know what's funny about that? So I do enough basketball to kind of know, but not enough to be good. And nobody is good. So there's a bracket to fill out with um, the guys over used to do stadium journeys. Paul Sweeney still does a bracket and stuff. Yeah, if you remember that website's still around. I think he sold it, but it's like twenty five bucks. And I thought my bracket was decent. I'm like, okay, there's a prize for, I don't know if it's really a prize, but if you're last place, you get your money back. Huh. I haven't checked, but at one point, because I stopped caring, then like let's have upsets go like St. Peter's. UNC is pretty cool, even though they're like a, a great name, but 8C is always fun to see that type of stuff. At one point during the Sweet 16 weekend, I was last place. 
Well, I just, I just checked my ESPN tournament bracket for the first time since I submitted <laughs> it, the, like the day before the tournament started. Apparently, I'm in the eighth percentile. So, I assume it's bottom eight, right? Not top eight. <laughs> uh, bottom eight percent. Yeah. <laughs> Does it see where I'm at? Because I don't have that up in front of me. No, I don't. I don't have that. I know it's all good, but there's one where I could be getting twenty five dollars back. So, it's just uh, the tournament, whatever. We're here though. We're talking football. It's what we typically do majority of the time. So here's what we're doing. Last time is the last episode we did. Was it about like who's going to win the title? Was that what it was? First time champs? I don't remember what our last episode was. I think technically the last <laughs> last thing we did before our, our, our prolonged uh, sort of unanticipated hiatus March Exodus. March Exodus. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And how did Nirvana? How did Nirvana not win? I don't. Oh my goodness. Do, do you know? Is it, is it officially commenced? It's, finished? It's it? in it's in the books, and uh, Amy Mann ended up winning. Okay. Good for them. Expect the unexpected quite literally every single year. Yeah. Like, how did Whitney Houston not get that far? I'm scrolling through. Joan Jett made it pretty far. Sweet Jane. Like, do you think, is it one of those things where people just vote not the, like, I'm just going to be the contrarian just because, and then the contrarian wins? <laughs> well, sometimes it's a matter of Twitter helium. Sometimes it's a matter of, you know, the, the, the essay attached to the song, which when we talk about it, we don't have access to those essays, you know? Good, good point. So it could be uh, any number of things. Gotcha. I'm just looking through. So that's probably the last one we did. So what, here's what we're doing today. At the moment, I've been wrapping up SP plus projection just because it's fun to see what your record could be. And Matt, early congratulations to your undefeated Mountless champion for Fresno State Bulldogs. Huh. <laughs> Again, not to- let's, let's not get carried away with ourselves <laughs> yet, but continue. Exactly. But okay, we're doing a couple of those. You're doing some draft profile. You started draft profiles. We'll have some of those up pretty soon over the next, I guess this starting week, because we're recording this day before the final four or championship game, I guess, if you're still in the basketball mood, but uh, you have some of those, well, more of those coming out. We'll do some other random fun stuff coming up off season shenanigans like to say, but today, basically like one of our most prior shows, we're going to do what, what should your team expect to be every year? And not just this, not 2022, but if you're a Colorado state fan, what should you expect every year over a 50-year period? What do you think the baseline expectation should be? Wait, wait, so how not, long did you say? 15 or just, 50? Not 50. I'm just saying like in general terms, like over the course of whatever, I just throw out a big number. Okay. So, so, not, so not like, oh, we got a good recruiting class, a new coach, we're going to be good year two, three, or four. But if you look long term, what should they typically be every year for any team? Okay. Not just, I just throw out 50 years just because to make it abundantly clear – forever i guess essentially. no i get, I get what you're saying <laughs> so we're doing the mountain division this week next show probably next week we're gonna most likely stick into once a week we'll see if we sneak in some other random shows here or there some interesting off-season stuff we're gonna just do mountain division and should we just do alphabetical order is that the best way to go with the air force falcons yeah we can start there so troy calhoun's been their head coach for oh geez has he been there like almost 20 years uh, i believe since 2007 if i'm not mistaken so it has been a little while. So when you think of Air Force Falcons, besides trip run option, triple option, like what do you, what do you, what do you, what's your first thing that comes to you? I know we're closer than other people, but what do you think? Like, oh, Air Force football, they're good. They should be doing this essentially before we get to kind of diving more deep into it. See, the, the one thing that I associate with Air Force is, you know, relative to a lot of other teams in the conference, they very rarely bottom out. And that I think is the thing that sort of stands out to me, especially when you consider like since, what's the from from 2013 to 2021 like their overall record i I just had it in front of me i apologize 
I want to say it's three like, losing three losing seasons and, and one two win season during that time. Yeah, they've had like a, a 592 overall winning percentage, 593 if you want to round up. They're 20 games above 500 from from the in the modern iteration of the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. And really, other than what was it that 2013 season where they went two and ten, mm-hmm. like they've they've had down years where they you know went five and seven, but they've never really had any like truly abysmal years beyond that. And that was when I believe they were an extremely young team that year. And then next thing you know, two years later, they're playing in the Mountain West Championship game. And so I think you know the the expectation is to me always sort of more of the same, which is to say if they're not necessarily like the, the front runner as a conference contender, that they are almost always in the mix for a bowl game at worst. That would be my baseline. Yeah. When you look at this team, they had the one conference championship appearance for San Diego state, which they lost. I think, what was that? 2016, right? I believe. Yeah. So they went 10 and three, won the Arizona bowl. They're always a team. Like I remember they almost beat Oklahoma, they're Colorado and they're decent. Like they'll play these power five teams and always give a thorn in the side just because, well, they run, they do the option offense. And I remember our infamous 2020 episode, we had to uh, preseason re-record, not due to COVID, but due to uh, players getting kicked off the team for alleged, like, pretty not great things going on. And I forget if it, I don't know if it's officially came out what happened to the QB, Donald Hammond and stuff. But I'm like, like, undefeated. Like, those two years, 2019, 2021, they were 21 and five in those two years. 2020 is weird and stuff. So, but, but they like the past two full seasons, they're arguably the best team in the Mountain West Conference. Well, like, okay. So, so go back, go back to that 2013 year. I completely forgot that the very next year they went 10 and three. Yeah. One with the conference title game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and now I'm all of a sudden, I wish I had that tweet that I put out there. It would have been at least a couple of months ago now about the number of 10 win seasons since 2013. And I'm, and I'm almost certain four. They have four. Yeah, they have four, but I'm almost certain that the only team with more Boise is State. Boise State. State. I can look that up as, as we're talking, but I'm pretty sure yeah. that's the case. Yeah, so those teams pull it too. But if there are a team, out, there's a reason also Troy Calhoun, who's a former NFL offensive coordinator, I want to say, he was off with the what Bills, Broncos, and Texans or something like that. I forget which team, but he's an NFL. But there's a reason where all these NFL teams, and even he turned down Tennessee a while back. Like he, they want to be their head coach. He's like, no, I'm good at air force. He's does a good job. And so like, when you look at what they should be doing, it also kind of depends. Do they have a quarterback who could throw a little bit? Do they have like a wide receiver, like last year or a tight end or Jalen Robinette a couple years ago, who are fringe NFL guys who could maybe make a run. They had a great offensive line. We'll sell this year comes up. If that could keep going with all the all conference and fringe all American guys they had. I think bowl. I think they're above my my minimum is more than a bowl game for them, despite being three of the past years since three of the past eight years, excluding twenty twenty, where they were not bowl eligible. They're typically a team where even going back farther back, like early in Mountain West, when had BYU, TCU, Utah, and everybody else in the Mountain West, they were still winning like eight game. Like my minimum for them should be like competing for the division, be or at least being in the neighborhood in at least eight games. I think that's where they should typically. And, and by the way, to, to clarify what I mentioned a minute ago, I did find that tweet. Boise State does have more 10 win seasons. So does San Diego State. Okay. Can I remember the Aztecs said that three year run where they were up on the American at Oliver and in Cincinnati? So, yeah. So that's where I think they should be at. It also, to get, to get them up <clears throat> above that, it's typically when they have a better defense because typically their defense isn't really that great. It's just fine. 
And then if they have like a quarterback who throws above average, relatively speaking, with that one guy who might catch 2.6 catches a game, but average like 22 yards per reception. So mm-hmm. go for like three for 50 throughout every game throughout the year, somewhere in that stretch, or one game he'll have six for a hundred and go crazy. That's where I think when they're clearly, when they're competing for the championships and last year's where they're 10 and three and weren't even really that close six and two in league play, but that's well, that, they, they, they were though. Cause remember the only thing that separated them from the championship game was that four point loss to Utah state. Sure. Yeah. Good point. The if, conference if, champion, if, Utah state Aggies. Case in point, if that defense had been able to find yeah. a way to make one more stop. It's true. So yeah, that's right. There. Like defense, like, okay, they were close. They're, they're close, but they, in the season there was all those chances, but I think they typically, for me, like I said, be in the running and I don't think eight wins is eight wins too high to say minimum because they had a kind of a big swing since 2016. They had 10, 11, 10, and five and five in the full seasons. So they kind of had up or down, up and down, but 2017, 18 are more of an aberration than ever, but they, but whenever the league has been what it is currently, they've more than not have been winning. And even those five and seven years, they were still right there. They weren't that far off. Well, I mean, I think the, the one thing that sort of helps put them over the top more often than not is, you know, while they're, they're never, ever, ever, ever going to like lead the conference in recruiting in the same way that like a Boise State or a San Diego State does, but they develop better than anybody, I would say, on average. And so what has really put them over the top, especially over the last couple of years, is that development, especially in the trenches, because especially in the most recent years, you think of how many all-conference linemen that they've had, you know, Nolan Laufenberg, Parker Ferguson, most recently Hawk Wimmer. And, and there were probably three or four other guys that, that deserved more recognition than they got. And in, even just looking back as recently as last year, we'll talk about it more in the team preview later in the summer, but they've also been able to bring up young guys into the breach as well. And so it's, it's so because they don't get the benefit of red shirts at the Academy, they have to, you know, develop and, and find ways for young guys to play uh, a little bit sooner, which is why, you know, in blowouts, you tend to see like six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys running the ball. You know, they want to see what those guys have because if they're ever thrown into the mix, you know, they want to know exactly what they're going to be able to get out of them. And so, yeah, I think that offensive line development in particular, especially in this, in this sort of three-year stretch that we're talking about that we're in the middle of right now, that to me is the big difference maker because, you know, they had it for a while, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to remember the guy's name. It was a first team all conference guy. I think it was, I want to say about 10 years ago at this point, I don't have the all conference names in front of me, but I think that particular kind of development, no, 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 no. It was AJ something. Okay. AJ something's time. Okay. It's right on the tip of my tongue, but, um, yeah, but I think that offensive line development in particular is the one thing that sort of makes the difference between you know offenses that are that are good at running the ball versus offenses that are great at running the ball. So like when you AJ get a Wallerstein. So when you get when you get a diesel's line that is a Joe Moore Award finalist for the best unit in the country, mm-hmm. you know, that's what makes them truly dangerous. And th- that's what we'll see this year because they're losing Ferguson, they're losing these guys. We'll see how well they stack up because I believe it's majority of their offensive line gone for 2022. Yes, and I mean Wimmer's moving starters, on. Um, starters, I mean, there's a couple of starters gone. They're big guys. I believe I believe Wim, Wimmer's the only one. Oh, maybe I'm thinking the year before. Maybe that's what it was. I'm. I... Yeah, because the year before they had to replace uh, Ferguson. That's and what it was. I, I, 
sorry, my space in the air. So that, that's a good thing. Okay, I, I take that back. That for some reason I thought these guys were there last year. Yeah, year. and that's where you know I put together this exercise as far as you know looking at you know spring positional depth, at, you know across the conference. And so one of the things that that really taught me about this Air Force team in particular, yeah, at least looking forward to maybe next year and the year after that, I think they're in a really good position overall to compete for a conference championship. So while that may not necessarily be the goal every single year, I think it bodes well for their ability to avoid even, you know, back back five and seven years, maybe over the next five years, something like that. They should, I would say they're, they're in a the position now where they them. should be able to compete fairly well over the, like the next two or three years at a minimum. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I'm looking at the guy, AJ Waller's can on Twitter real quick. Air force recently about their all decade team. And their offensive lineman line had him in there from like, I think 08 or something, whatever he, or no, he played beyond that. Sorry. He's included on that team, but also you have Nolan Ferguson and, or excuse me, Nolan Loffenberg and Parker Ferguson. They were gone last year and look how well they still ran the ball. Part of it, they have a fullback. I think that's when they're really good. They have a fullback. They have a decent passing game and a defense that's at least average, but that's a lot. You think that's, that's a lot of things, but they usually have one of three of those every year. They usually have some sort of fullback. Past couple of years, it's been defense a lot there. Last year, defense was okay, but they had a fullback. And the past couple of years, they've been throwing the ball a touch more, whether it be Donald Hammond, Zeke Daniels throwing pretty well, Tim Jefferson years before that. I think it does, it's not saying it takes a perfect storm to do that, but that's usually when we we typically can tell they're going to be good. And offensive line is almost always good, but the past couple of years, it's been like really, really good. Well, and, <laughs> and, so and they're can, what what makes what makes them exceptional in the conference is their ability to just like the guys pop up that we had never heard about them before like a, a you know a month before week seven some guys eight carries for 120 yards and touchdown like, yeah you know, and that's where guy? you know on offense that's a guy like you know DeAndre Hughes who yeah uh, if, if memory serves he's only a junior this year so he's going to be around for another couple of years you know on the defensive side of things that's probably someone like you know Camby Goff who stepped up last year. Or, or Trey Taylor, you know, guys who, you know, like I said, the, the Falcons may not always have a lot of all-conference contenders, but I think what makes them special when they're at their peak is that the, the sum, the, like the sum is greater than, or what is it? What's the what's the term? The, the, the whole is greater, is greater than the sum of the parts. Sure, that sounds right, yeah. That sounds about right. It, it's the offseason, <laughs> forgive me. Before but yeah, but, that, but, that's, but that's the thing that puts them over the top is their ability to just churn out guys like who from the outside looking in, we, know, we may not know a lot about them until they're running people over or, or you know, making a big turnover or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right, so we move on to Boise State then or anything else you want to add about Air Force? Yeah, we can move on to Boise. I would just say my last parting words that they're never out for me almost every year they're never out of the conference title race i think that's fair to say and coincidentally enough i mean that that is something i would also say about boise state as well yeah our buddy um who was it was it colin or it was eric eric Eric, he he goes i i could be bold and say conference champion every year but he really he's a more realistic boise state fan which i appreciate that (laughs) there are some out there but i think they clearly they are a team where this year like would you be from a scale of one to ten what would you be your media, the media voting Boise State would be number one between one and 10. Like what's your confidence level of them being predicted to be preseason champs, which seemingly is literally every single year. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if I were in Vegas, I don't know if I would make them the betting favorite. 
They went seven and five. No, oh, totally, they'd be betting favorites so people would bet on them. That's why they would be. But yeah. I think, but I think if you were if you were to say like on a scale of one to ten, how shocked would you be if they were conference championships and champions in December? I would say maybe like a three. I know, but preseason. Who? Okay, if we're guessing right now, because we did our poll, I don't have in front of me. I think we. I don't think it, if you look at who should be number one, I think it's Air Force because of what they're coming back. CSU, Jay Norvell brings a lot of guys over. It's going to be weird. I don't think it's going to translate right away. New Mexico is still a long way to go. Um, Utah State has probably the best second top quarterback in that division. Sorry, Hank Bachmeyer fans, but I think he's better. But I'm betting it'll be Boise State, but I think my vote would go toward Air Force right now. Just saying, like, this upcoming year, but almost always it's Boise State preseason Mountain Division champ. Like, I'd go back and look, but I'm, I'm probably pretty sure it's almost every year since they've joined the league. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I don't know if I would necessarily agree with you, if only because, you know, conversely, the, the team that we just talked about, the one thing that Boise State always has going for them is a higher baseline of talent from which to work. Totally. You know, that's that's the luxury of being able to recruit the number one, you know, class every every single year, except for or like one recently. I think, like the Aztec, I think the Aztecs bested him a couple of years ago. But the, the idea is like, you know, Boise State's got a head start just because they recruit so well relative to the rest of the conference. And that's where, you know, even, you know, like, you know, their down years feel like really disappointing relative to what's expected of them. And so I think if you were saying earlier that, you know, a reasonable expectation for Air Force is, is eight wins a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's still reasonable for a Boise State fan to expect 10 wins a year. They've had just looking at like again don't worry about 2020 but before this past year seven to five which was new head coach running game was a complete mess because george Solani was never healthy throughout the year you know they had like they'll have clear shakir will be a selected in the month nfl draft some other guys out there they've won four four straight years of 10 wins they've averaged over 10 wins probably closer to 11 it's ever since they joined the mountain west mm-hmm. their worst years was when chris peterson's final year and then brian harson's year two and then last year, year one. And all those, look what they have in common. Final year for a coach, Chris Peterson. Not that he's on his way out, but it was uh, it was just – I remember we're, I think me and Chris were doing the show. It's like tracking the plane, all that crap going on the, like the night before it all happened. Like, why are we podcasting tonight? It's going to be news tomorrow, and it's going to be dated. But there's always something where you can – when there's a down year, it makes a lot of sense. Year two of Harson because a lot of talent left after going to the Fiesta Bowl. And then last year, just new head coach in Diablos. And then they had issues offensive line the past two years have been – injury plagued and not consistent and they still were going into that final game for San Diego State had a chance to win the conference division yeah their, their their worst loss last year was by 10 points and and, a, and a lot and a, that was against Nevada okay at home but I think you know if you're thinking about what Boise State needs to do to get back to that sort of really lofty standard I mean at present most of that work is going to come on offense because you you talked about what, what Air Force was bringing back. If you go back and, and actually look at what Boise State brings to the table, especially on defense, and, and I, I wish I could remember the, the the preseason SP Plus rankings without looking them up, especially on that side of the ball. 2021 or this year? For you know the preseason for this for this coming year. Oh, I've been working on those right away. I'll find those for you in a second here. But so continue. They have a very deep and very experienced defense, at least for 2022. And so I think if, if the offense can catch up, which again, they, they have a lot of talent, 
and I think a lot of it is just sort of turning, you know, a lot of those young playmakers into, you know, you know, experienced big time guys, like finding the next Khalil Shakir, finding the next George Holani or something like that. But, you know, they just yeah, brought George in, they just, back. but you know, they just back. brought in a, a very highly regarded running back in Ashton Jinty. And they have like a legion of former high three-star wide receivers that are ready to step up and take a role. You know, you, do you, you know, think with them real quick, like Carson wasn't developing guys? I mean, I think you could a little, right? A little, a little not bit. Not as well, not as well as before. But I, but I think you know some things you couldn't necessarily foresee, or something sort of explained what happened in past years. In, in retrospect, like you know, learning that Hank Bachmeyer played most of the second half of the year with an injury last year, and he was still pretty good overall. So you have to imagine, like with a with a clean bill of health and two years to work with, what is he going to be able to accomplish? if some of those young receivers can step up and become big time guys, like if, if, if someone like, let's say, for example, Shea Whiting or, or Latrell Caples can be that sort of compliment to Stephen Cobbs, if Cobbs can take another step forward from what he flashed last year and things like that. Offensive line too, because they, it's, that's impossible. It's, it's the two main things last year was George Sonny was hurt a bunch, never fully healthy in the offensive line. How many, it took until what week eight before they had back-to-back similar starting five. That's yeah. been an issue for years. And Bachmar, how many hits? I still remember the freaking Florida State games getting speared every time, tackled, helmet. Like, the like we haven't we haven't play. seen the night. Like, if you want to call it like the 90th percentile Boise State offense, nope, we haven't we haven't really seen that since like what Alexander Madison 20, 2019. Yeah, there's been a lot oh. of there's been a lot of scuffles, which is not the same as saying that they have been bad. They've been frustrating to watch for a lot of the time, but that but that doesn't. But that doesn't mean that the potential isn't very clearly there. Well, you know, look if, at the, if, if things come together, like this is still a team that could run away with the division and run away with the conference pretty easily. It's just that we haven't really seen that over the last couple of years, so it's easy to forget. Well, remember last year they beat up BYU, who was a top ten team at the time. And how many last points year. did they score in that game? Not many, but partly because they got turnovers and special teams fumbles. They recovered. They, yeah, concert. they scored. They scored twenty six points. Yeah. So it was not. It was not necessarily a runaway victory. No, they went a different way. They got the turnovers. They forced they they got a good field position for a call. But this this BYU is still a pretty good team, even though, even though they lost that bowl game to some crappy team, whoever it was. But I found the SP plus defense for Boise State this year sixteenth. Yeah, and San Diego State was like what twelfth, I believe. This year, let me see. Let me do command F real quick and find out for you. Um, they are. Come on, come on, computer, work faster. This is really <laughs> um twelfth. Yeah, so so that that's exactly what I'm talking about. They're really good defense. These two teams this coming year. So yeah, like if if the offense doesn't have if the, if the defense doesn't have to carry the offense, you know, in like let's say four or five weeks throughout the year, like I said, this is the team that could run away with the conference pretty easily in the next couple of years. There's a chance, and, also and that's they... why and that's why I think the ceiling, like it, you know, the, the the Chris Peterson era is not walking through that door again, Never. and and they're going to have to you know they're going to have to scrap harder than ever to get to that, you know, New Year's six bowl spot again. But, you know, if it comes together and they do it, you're not going to be able to say that they didn't earn it. I will say because they're facing a conference that has also raised its game across the board. Well, look at this. Yeah. The West division was stacked last year. Like, look how good these teams are. Like last year with Carson strong, you had, uh, you have your guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jake Hainer, Logan Bonner, you have what Hazik Daniels could do. You had Donald Hammond here before. 
You had even Colorado State, like when they had quarterbacks, Patrick O'Brien, they were moving the ball pretty well, a lot of good quarterbacks. You have um, – there's enough talent throughout the league where it's not just – you know, Shavon Cordero at Hawaii and San Jose State. You had – before that, Cole McDonald. You had – all these guys, teams had different quarterbacks within the conference. You have um, Nick Starkle. You had uh, – who was the Spartans quarterback before a couple years ago winning the conference? Josh championship? Yeah, Josh – yeah, Josh Love. All these guys. You had Utah State with Jordan Love years before. Like, the talent's clearly caught up, but they're still winning about 10 games a year. This past year was more of a new coach – um, offensive line issues and running back issues. So if they get those two settled, they, they'll be back. Like they have the talent. The thing is, they have the talent. It's just been they've been sort of unlucky a little bit. But also this coming year, was it four coaches left either resigned due to random personal reasons or left to different different schools? Mm-hmm. They've lost multiple coaches, so that could be a concern upcoming year. Andy Avalos being year two of a head coach. So that could be a little bit of a learning curve for some of these guys. They're doing spring football right now. And what was it? Mike Prater had some about how many NFL perspective guys they have in the roster going for 23 and 24. It's true. It's up there, but it's just been, they've been, I think the main thing the past two years, they've been, even though they went five and two in 2020 and still they beat, well, they lost the first, they were in the conference title game playing San Jose state. Like they're not that far back. It's just a typical expectations. All seven wins. That seems like terrible. And yet they were in every game. One double-digit loss was 10 points to a team that had arguably the best running or excuse me, throwing and receiving combination to from strong to dubs, like one of the best, most prolific offensive attacks in the conference. Mm-hmm. And that's their biggest loss by 10 points. That's it. They sub, they smothered Utah State into how many turnovers and scoring points. They won that same game. They beat a top-10 BYU team. Like, look at the wins they had compared to the losses. They're clearly the talents there. It's just kind of been a little bit an injury luck and not going their way, but that's what they basically should expect. I honest, I think 10 plus wins and winning the division should be their baseline goal every year. Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones. Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast. Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, like we'll talk more about Fresno State during our next podcast. But you know how Fresno State went from like a really uneven three and three in the pandemic year to winning 10 games last year and then feeling really good about the future? Mm Mm-hmm. 
like I think that Boise State's in a, in a very good position to sort of replicate that where their 2022 could be a lot like Fresno State's 2021 and, and remind everybody why they are the Boise State Broncos in the process. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, they're, 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 they're not going anywhere. Last year was just kind of a whoop, whoop. And if those guys are healthy, transfers come in, they're good. They're good to go. Exactly. All right. So let's move, move on to Colorado State. This is a weird one because it's not coming near. I don't know what's going on. Do you have any clue what's going on? I'm about to do more research for coming up in the next, uh, when we start our previews, like in what, six weeks, literally, end of May, we start those. Yeah, it'll be soon before we know it. But Jay, it, 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 it's like a tell of two halves with them in the Mountain West from going back to Sonny Lubick's past couple of years because they were always a team that would, they beat Utah, they were right competitive with BYU, winning conference titles. And then Steve, and then Lubick kind of fade, slowly faded away after like 03 and a couple of years in the Mountain West. They've been kind of just hovering here or there. McElwain came in, hey, we got 10 wins, we're great. But they've only had one 10 win, two 10 win seasons since, or three since 2000. They've only had one since the current team of Mountain West. And that was McElwain's 20, 20, uh, 2014 year when they were ranked at the 21st highest in the season, getting their butts kicked to Utah in the Vegas Bowl. But they, I, our buddy Josh Fredlund said, bowl, six wins, bowl eligible. It should be the baseline. And that's hard not to argue because four, Mike Bobo won a bowl game every single year until he did in that three to nine or four eight. And last year, honestly, we discussed it a million times. If not for losing to South Dakota State, they should beat Vanderbilt, should beat Utah State. They're at six and six. So I think that's really where six wins should kind of be their worst case scenario. But they've, they haven't done that since 2017. Yeah, and if you look at what they've done since 2013, you know, it's you might think that they've been worse than they have been, but they're only six games under 500. You know, they're 50 and 56 in that time. That's a 472 winning percentage. And when you when you put that down to conference play in particular, they're one game under 500. Oh, it's wild. So they add so on the aggregate, they mostly have been like a six and six, five and a half win type team. But it just hasn't really felt like it all the time because last year you know, so frustrating. Last two years, honestly. Yeah, they, it's they underperformed with Mike Bobo. They underperformed Steve Adazio. But you also don't have to look that back that far. Like you know, you you have to say, or it's it's you know, you think that oh, you got to go back to Sonny Lubick. Well, you really don't. You go back to Jim McElwain because it's easy. Fairchild was a bad hire. Fairchild was a bad hire. That did not work well at all. No, but, but but those McElwain teams were good and exciting, and that oh, twenty yeah. that that twenty fourteen team that won ten games Dude. was was another one of those instances where they weren't that far away from playing for the title that year. Rashard Higgins, Michael Gallup, um, guy um, Dante Wright, like Trey McBride, they are literally the school with the best wide receiving group in the past like five to six years. Like, look how many yeah. guys are in the NFL. I know Richard Higgins has kind of been popping around here there, but Michael Gallup's there. You have Pre- Preston Wilson as well, hanging out in Miami, doing decent things with the Dolphins. Like, they're receiving, they're sending, which is so weird why when Adagio comes in and he can't do squat with these with this talent he has, speed talent, tight end talent. Like, freaking McBride, what do you go, 4 5 2 and it's 40 the other day? Like, mm-hmm. what tight end does that? Like, they had, they, and they, get, they run off Patrick O'Brien to put in freaking – What's what's his name? Can't he transfer? What's the quarterback? Um, Anything of Todd Santel? Yeah, Todd Santel. I don't want to remember these guys' names who aren't around anymore. I'm just saying, like, you're bringing this guy to play quarterback? Like, what are you doing? Like, this is more of a coaching issue. Two of their past three coaching hires or four have been garbage. It's not good. 
but like they have the stadium to bring in town. Like, oh, it's a cool stadium. It's on campus. Great. They have they they, they seemingly put guys. Look at uh, Shaq Barrett. Like he's the amazing NFL talent at linebacker. They have all these guys out there who go. They send players to the NFL. Do you, and you, as you point out, their record they're not far off in league play. They maybe overextend a little bit in conference and non-conference play because they play Alabama and then they lose dumb games. Like they're the amount of guys who send the NFL. I I can pull up here in sports reference shortly and check, but they're they got to be. Would would it be without looking? Would you think they're only been Boise State for NFL talent like draft for the past fifteen years? Like who sends more guys to the pro? San Diego State sends a decent amount. Fresno, Fresno, but they wouldn't be at the bottom, right? No, they wouldn't be. And so that's why it makes it frustrating why they're not better. Okay, so so here's why I, I would I think that that Josh, to his credit, is is being maybe a little too conservative. You think so? I think so because the, because yeah, they have underperformed, but it is not for a lack of effort. You know, they they have proven, especially since Mac Wayne left town, they have proven willing to push a lot of chips to the center of the table oh, to totally. win. Yeah, they have the new stadium. Yeah, they, they have Meyer. <laughs> they have an outstanding community out there in Fort Collins. You know, they've and even under Adazio, like they they underperformed on the field, but he recruited pretty well too. Like they were in the top half of the conference in, in 2019, 2020, and 2021 in terms of like their overall recruiting class. And so I think. And, and I think about, you know, I think about this with baseball season right around the corner, you know, opening day is like what this Thursday we're recording. Sure. You know better than me. <laughs> I think of Colorado state and this is, and, and maybe some people are going to, you know, swerve off the side of the road. This Colorado state has been kind of like the San Diego Padres. Hmm, okay. Where the, where the Padres have put a lot of, they've, they've invested a lot to try and win. And it just hasn't worked out for any number of reasons. And and, and maybe, you know, the Rams fans out there who are also Colorado Rockies fans right, don't want to hear that. But that's just sort of what it reminds me of. But I, but I think that um, at the same time, what that also does is, is it sort of provides justification for the fact that, you know, Colorado State wants to be the next Boise State or they want to be the new Boise State. They've got a lot of reasons to believe that. It's just that last and hardest step is putting that consistent project together on the field. But I think to their credit, you know, they did it again to, you know, to invest in bringing in Jay Norvell and his staff, you know, as a result, their you know, recruiting class of 2022 had a huge shot in the arm, you know, in terms of like overall talent, they're one of three teams in the conference with an 84 rating on their, on their average recruit. And so I think that, it, you know, it may not come out firing out the gate, but I think there's every reason for them to expect a conference championship, you know, when, so long as Jay Norvell is in the building. You know, if it doesn't happen this year, I think the competitive window no. definitely opens two years from now. I can see that. So I'm looking at the – this is from 2020, Jackson Moore, Barkboard, put it out there. I thought it'd be higher. They have currently – they're tied for fourth at this time with seven uh-huh. players in the league. That sounds about right, yeah. So they have, like, Shaquille Barrett, obviously Tampa, Michael Gallup, Rashard Higgins. B- oh, I forgot about Ola B.C. Johnson, freaking with the Vikings. He's ACL tear last year, but mm-hmm. they also have, like, offensive lineman Ty Sembarlio, Trent Sieg, um, Preston Williams around. So they have – that's tied for fourth. Yeah, while me, surprisingly, I didn't think – didn't realize this leads away at 14 outs of 2020. Mm-hmm. That's um, pretty good. So, like, they're, they're sending above average guys to talent, but 8 to 14. Like, Boise has 12. And then 
Utah State has eight. So they're right there, not far off with seven. So they're they send guys to the league. They play in a fun stadium. They're now going to be playing in it. They've multiple times. They've been with McElwain and now they're going to be playing with exciting offenses. They went with Bobo who ran the ball. Obviously, the Dodgers who have really run, wanted to run the ball. I think they're at their best, and it's clear looking at the record when they throw the ball. Like even back when I remember watching it when I was younger, University Utah and stuff. Like when Sandy Lubick was there, they had Scott Van Pelt or not Scott, but Bradley Van Pelt running the ball and throwing running and pass. Like that was one of the most innovative offenses around. Like he would have a running quarterback who could also throw pretty well. Mm-hmm. So they when they have a exciting type of offense, they're going to compete and win conference titles. And I think that's what Norvell brings here. And we'll just see how long he stays. Cause I'm assuming like, here's the, <clears throat> I don't want to be Debbie Downer now, but I could honestly see the situation where let's say he gets the Rams to an eight and four year. Herm Edwards is already as good as gone and fired. I would put, here's a bold and super pick. Now I could see Norvell being Arizona state head coach in 2023 hmm. because there's no Herm Edwards is not surviving what's going on there at Arizona state, even though his, former agent is the AD or president of the school, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think the AD. So I, I think that's a, that's a real possibility where he does good enough and he takes over because he was at Arizona state before being what receivers coach or something years ago. Yeah. Cause he has linked to Oklahoma. He's coached at Texas. He's coached at big time places. So, but as for the Rams themselves, whether it's Norvell for a couple of years or whoever they get in, they regress by going to a guy just cause he's from the sec and Mike Bobo before. When they're when they have a fun offense, they're a really good team, and that's where I'm leaning toward Norvell. And so, I think I'm with Josh. Maybe slightly above bowl eligible, but they should be going to bowl game basically every year, if not a touch more, and like maybe twice a decade winning the conference or being in the conference title game, even though they've never they've only been to one since. You, you know how you know how UAB came back from the dead, and they were like the classic conference USA. Yeah, Bob Bill Clark or Bob Clark. Yeah, Bill Clark. That's sort of what Colorado State should aspire to be, with, without the coming back from the dead part, because yeah, yeah. because they are probably they are probably never going to be the most popular team in the state or the, the most prosperous team in the state. That's probably always going to be the Buffaloes, whether they like it or not. Same same thing with with UAB, like they are never going to be Alabama or Auburn. <laughs> but you know they both got you know new facilities in, in Birmingham and in Fort Collins. They both made it a renewed investment for that sustained success. And it's just, it's, it's worked out for, for the, the team out there in Alabama and it hasn't worked for the team in Colorado yet, mm-hmm. but that's where I think the expectations should remain high. Like, you know, I think they, they have every expectation that this move to, to bring Norvell in should work sooner rather than later. No, I, I agree too. That's the problem. If he does that good, he's going to be the Arizona state or take over Steve Sarkeesian in a couple of years. Yeah. Well, I, guess we'll, like, I guess we'll see. It's the only issue I have or not issue, but, or even if, um, you know, it's funny real quick. Um, oh, shoot. I, I, I'm space. I haven't t- talked college football, while, but Oklahoma, this is a total sidetrack. Why are they still so mad about uh, Brett Venables being their coach and Lincoln Riley leaving? I have no idea. Did you see on Twitter the other day, some random dude, some news Oklahoma guy? Because Venables is a, I just bring it up because of Norvell connection there. He was slimly connected very slightly, but Venables is a different coach from, from Clemson, right? Yeah. He's in there doing, like their spring football, and he's like, Oh, he's coached linebackers. And the guy comes up and says, like on Twitter, retweets, I'd have to go pe- go back and check the film. But I don't remember the former coach, coach linebackers. I'm like, Are you in? I don't want to swear, but are you completely bonkers and out of your mind? Lincoln Riley's just giving you Heisman Trophy with us. Come on, man. What do you want? 
Like they are so mad about him leaving. Like they, you see the Air Jordan scandal, not scandal about returning the shoes. No. Do you, do you not remember from Split Zone doing them talking about that? Take the oh shoes yeah, that thing. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> it's just Oklahoma is so petty. It's like get over yourself. So I'm like, I just the Norville Oklahoma thing brought that up because I saw that tweet the other day about some random news anchor saying, "I don't remember the old coach coaching linebacker." I'm like, well. Giving you Heisman Baker Mayfield, you know what I mean? Heisman Trophy winners, jeez. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, should we move on to first or not Fresno, but um, next team because we're New Mexico, New Mexico. Oh man, um, where do we want to start the Lobos here, man? They so, um, so I was I was thinking about the, the appropriate context for, for the expectation because I think of the six teams we're talking about today, I think it's pretty clear that the, the winning at New Mexico is the hardest job, it's the hardest job in the conference by far, yeah. And so with that in mind, I was sort of curious about it. And I learned that just four, and this is according to sportsreference.com, there are four head coaches in Lobo's history who had, you know, at least two seasons at the helm that finished above 500 as a head coach in New Mexico. The last one to do it, Co-coached from 1980 to 1982, Joe Morris. Not even Dennis Francioni. No, no. Francioni was right below 500 at 478. Rocky Long was at 485. Bob Davey, for all the success he had, was at 354. It is a hard job. All the success he had? He had a couple couple of bowl games there. He had a two-year stretch where he was his offense was awesome. He fired the OC there. So I'm like, okay, good job. And they started covering up crimes too. So that doesn't help. Yeah, so, you know, that's where you, you start looking at this team. And this is a team that, you know, their overall win percentage since 2013 is 343. So they're basically winning one in three games. That's been sort of the reality. But, you know, this is a team that, you know, has put together nine win seasons in the past, which I don't think anybody's expecting that year in and year out out there in Albuquerque. Nope. But I think the expectation is to, to, even if you're not winning year in and year out, that you're being pesky year in and year out. You're not getting blown out by like 30, 40 points a week year in and year out, which, you know, even though they're still building out there under Danny Gonzalez, like I would say that they're building towards something. They were extremely young last year. And at least, you know, compared to the three teams we've already talked about, mm-hmm. You could make an argument that if that the best case scenario sees more room for growth with this Lobos team has to be just because, you know, they're, they were starting a lot of freshmen and sophomores last year. And so, you know, in the next couple of years, those soft, those freshmen and sophomores are going to be juniors and seniors, provided they don't transfer or anything like that. And while, you know, the, the guys who are, you know, starring for, you know, Colorado state or air force right now will have moved on. For the most part. And so there is room for them to grow into something where for for the other teams that we've talked about so far, it's sort of like either stepping back into something that they feel that they need to, or just sort of like holding ground, like in the case of Air Force or, or Boise State. But I think if if you're a New Mexico fan, you're maybe expecting five wins a year. Because what that means is maybe, maybe you have a four-win season, but maybe that also means you have a six know, or a seven-win season. Where they had from 2009 to 2013, they won one game a year. Oh, I know. I mean, if we're talking about being reasonable. I know. I know I'm just pointing out, like, they had a really, really bad stretch. But I think, a, but I think a reasonable expectation for a place that's difficult to win 
is five wins a year. I don't know. Because that, be because maybe that maybe that means you're going bowling once every other year. Maybe that means you're competing for a division title once every four or five years. You know, that, that was sort of what their best stretches have looked like under both Davey and Rocky Long. Rocky but Long I, slipped. I mean, I, I think I at a know, minimum, man. at a minimum, like you, you might think that UNLV is the team with the worst conference record since 2013, but it's actually the Lobos. It has to be. No, it has to be Lobos. And a lot, yeah. a lot of that has to do with the fact that they, they struggled to win on the road in the conference. They only have seven wins in 35 games on the road over the last, you know, eight, nine years. And so, most of those came in 2015, 2016, where they won a lot of Probably, games. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I think, that, you know, there's there's definitely room for improvement, and it's it's not necessarily the easiest path for, for the Lobos to follow. But I think, you know, even if they don't have, like, grand designs, you know, there's there's every expectation that they should be better than they have been for most years in recent memory. Here's what I'll say. Like, they have the best coaching staff they've had in a long time. Because yeah, I mean, if they, if they had if they had an offense that didn't just completely fall apart in the second half of last year, they probably would have won more than two games. Yeah, they Terry Wilson got hurt early on. Yeah, it was like, basically after that. Good. After that, it was rough so to watch on that side of the ball. But you know, but then you look at the other side, and they have made strides on defense. And th- and so for as long as Rocky Long wants to be there and wants to be a coordinator, I think that that gives them a, a modicum of hope that they can continue I, improving. Definitely. What they need to do, and it's like if you, I know we listen to Split Zone Duo. If you don't, you should go pay their five bucks and get their podcast all the time because their <laughs> Patreon ones are really good about certain stuff they talk about. But they mentioned certain things like, what do you want from your team? Like, what should your team really be? Like, if you're a fan of a certain team, like if you look deep, like, okay, do you want your team to win? Do you want your team to be fun? Do you want to go just screw around at the tailgate and have a good time at your football game and just, okay, who cares? Like, what do you want out of your football team? And there's a reason. Arizona football a couple years ago did not want, nobody wanted, like the, even when Khalil Tate was their quarterback and he was for a hot second Heisman candidate when he was there with Rich Rodriguez and yeah. Kevin Sullivan or whatever was coaching. They wanted nothing to do with Kenny Matualdo at Navy. Here's the thing. What do you like, Matt, if you're, I think I know I'd asked you this before, but if you're a Fresno State team, they're winning reasonably well right now. If they're winning, running what Air Force runs or running what Army does or what Georgia Southern used to run or what Paul Johnson runs when he was at, the academies in Georgia Tech, triple option. I'm getting that. Would you care if you're winning with football that's not super exciting? I would not. Would you? Would you? Well, you probably would you prefer a more exciting brand of how they're winning right now, the type of play would that gets pique your interest a bit more? I mean, if they're grinding opponents' dust, I don't. I, I fail to see what's wrong with that. Okay, like San Diego State fans a couple years ago, it's like they're winning 17 to 13. Yeah. So, what does the Mexico want? Like we know. There's not even a California. A lot of people are moving away from California just in general, just because it's super uber expensive to live there, which means the population, you know, better me, it's kind of more stagnant than growing the past decade or so. Mm-hmm. There's a handful of people coming to Utah or Matt, and then more big programs come to Utah. Like Oregon comes to town, LSU's come here, Alabama, Oklahoma State's coming to pull good talent away. So they're moving, but it's going to take a long time. Like a lot of people are going to Phoenix, Arizona State, or Arizona, I should say, but. They're not from Arizona, but their favorite team might be USC or might be Cal or, you know what I mean, or might be Florida State or something. It'll take years and years and years to build that up. And so say you have a lot of families going from 
Los Angeles or Orange County or the Bay Area or anywhere in the state coming to Albuquerque or coming to Los Cruz. Los Cruz is a smaller town because you can now do more people are allowed. And I can work from anywhere. We'll all go live out in wide open spaces and not as crowded, spend less money living in Mexico. That takes a long time to bring up talent to bring up population growth more specifically to maybe eventually then get to talent. And then you got to build something for the teams. Like, Hey, I want to stay in state to come here because my from here, it takes a long time to build up. So that's this Uber long-term plan. If, if the talent population is even going to New Mexico from California or other places or Texas, cause it's right nearby. They're in an area where they can grab people from Texas and they're in between Texas, California, so you can get talent from there, but they need to go back. To, we all know why Bob Davey was super successful. He brought in the guy, Bob DeBees from was Sam Houston State to run a very unique fun offense. This is a long going around the cul-de-sac, running up the stairs to get to the answer here, but they need to be weird and unique and different on offense to offset talent deficiencies. They clearly have an offense. They need to go back to the pistol. They need to go back to the triple option. They need to look what they're running at Coastal Carolina, that speed option and three backs and pistol and do something weird and different that teams don't see. And that's when they were really good. That's, I think, the only way where if they're – like, I, I'm a step behind you. Like, I think in four wins a year is not out of the possibility. Bowl game maybe once every three or so years and competing for a division title maybe twice a decade. I think maybe, and then if they want a conference title once every, I don't even know if they've ever won a conference title. Honestly, I don't know how close they've done or done it. But point being, being weird on offense and different and unique, in my opinion, is the only way they're going to be successful. And who cares if you send one guy to the pro every six years? If you're able to win a bunch of games and you're running a triple option, you're running a speed attack, you're running that RPO some sort or whatever the new offense is going to be where you play two quarterbacks at once, I don't know, but that's something they need to definitely lean into to outshoot their coverage or outkick their coverage or whatever to be a team that can compete and win more than four games a year. I, I think that's their that's their answer to do it, and they need to find a young coach or a coach who will just do – go get the OC from Coastal to come over in a couple of years or whenever, or somebody who runs – bring in – what's his name from? Hawaii, Howard, where's he at now? Um, The go-go offense? Where, he's at uh, Pitt, he's right? at Pitt. Brett Merritt, what's his name? Oh, shoot. Brennan no. Merritt. But yeah, Brendan Marin, like not that he'd come over from Pitt for what he's doing, but do something like that to be weird. There's a reason Pitt turned around so well. He was a big part of it with Kenny Pickett's and everything. Like, I think that's, I know I'm hogging the time here, but that's what they need to do to uh, overachieve or at least be just to win more games. Find an offense that nobody runs and do it. Defense is there. Defense will get there if these guys coach him. Offense just needs to be weird. I don't want, they don't want, they're not going to be able to win games 10 to 3. There's so much offensive power. power, power yeah too much offensive power in the conference, what Utah State can do, what Colorado State probably can do, how Air Force runs a triple option. When they play when they play Fresno in the other division, when they play Hawaii or San Jose State or we'll see what Nevada does, but that's what I think they, they need to just be weird on offense. See, I don't know if I necessarily agree. And, and a lot of that has to do with, at least for right now, given how weird 2020 was and given how injury-plagued and young the offense was in 2021 – I still don't think we've seen sort of the final version of what this Lobos offense wants to be. And that's where I think this fall is going to be really instructive. We'll talk more about that later. But to, to, to answer something that you mentioned earlier, New Mexico has actually won back-to-back conference titles. Okay. How long? In, in, in 1962 and 1963. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> in, in the Western Athletic Conference. First two years of the back, by the way, right after the skyline. I mean, I have to, I have to imagine like their best case scenario is they play like San Diego state 
and, and cause and cause nightmares Duh. for Danny for, Gonzalez and Rocky Law. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not a bad comparison. Yeah, and and it, and it's and it's a proven winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. So I say I'm a step ahead of you. I say bowl game every once every. What do you say? Every other year they should compete for a bowl game or be in a bowl game. I think the best case scenario is they should they should expect at least being in a bowl every other year, or being bowl eligible every other year. I would stretch out to like three to three and a half years. I'm okay. not quite there, but so the there to like just I get I like the aspects things, but be why can't you be both? Why can't you have a dominant defense or a dom a great scheme? but also be weird in offense. Like that mm-hmm. would be the best combination for the school. Go find, I know there's not many high schools run it, but go find a super fast guy who can throw reasonably well and then run the, run some sort of speed option attack. I'm like, man, I don't know. Get Usain Bolt to come play. I don't know what to do. All right, next, let's move on. Next team. Who do we got next year? Uh, that'd be Utah State. Utah State. Okay. Aggies. Uh, I'll let you start off the Aggies this time. I talked a lot last time. I'll let you get going here. So, go, so again, going back to 2013, even despite cratering under Gary Anderson the second time around, Utah State's got a top 50 winning percentage nationally. You know, it's 64 and 48. That's a 571 winning percentage overall. And in terms of like conference records, you know, Boise State and San Diego State are head above, you know, they're, they're head and shoulders above everybody else in the conference. The Aggies are number three in terms of overall conference records since 2013. Because they've been to two conference title games, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, last year when they won. And I remember the old one where they put the game on a not CBS, but the random local CBS downline affiliate, my TV, whatever it was. So, you know, yeah. despite despite the huge ups and downs, like you could make a case that, you know, at worst, they're maybe the fourth best team in the conference since 2013. And so, you know, yeah. so, so like, what does that mean in terms of like what to expect? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, winning a conference title, you know, back to back years or, or in, even in the next couple of years is definitely setting the bar high. You know, they, they did it once. And, you know, Blake Anderson may be a hot commodity, you know, if they, if by this time next year, he could be somewhere else if they turn that trick again or even come close to doing that. But I mean, I think we, we've seen enough from this program. And, this, and I think this is, they're, they're, they're sort of like Air Force in that regard, where, We've seen them win 10 games enough where being close to that on average, you know, whether you want to call it eight or nine wins, should probably be the bar. Like we've seen this team be successful enough, enough times in recent vintage that their expectations should be pretty high. And they're not going to have like, you know, the, the, the shiny new facilities in the same as like Colorado State or San Diego State does. Um, but, you know, they've recruited and developed pretty well. And, you know, sometimes that's all, sometimes that's all it takes. So like, even if Anderson moves on, I think the expectations should be that this is a competitive team year in and year out, a seven, eight, nine win team, you know, with maybe a, a down year here and there to reload or whatever. Yeah. I think since Brent Guy left, that's what they basically have been. Gary, it took Gary Anderson round one, a few years to get going. And Matt Wells only, he basically he had that one, three, nine year people were kind of not too happy about, but overall they're, They've gone to a like that stretch before they had John L. Smith years and years ago mm-hmm. in their big last. And also, like this story, like Utah State football, like people are like, well, who's this team? Like they used to be like when I first moved to Utah, like in like 03, there wasn't huge big college football guys was now because I was prior out of school that only was college basketball. 
played two different sports. They had low level non-scholarship one double football. I didn't really care. I was on the weekend doing stuff every other week, every weekend for my water polo stuff games or season in the fall. So I didn't really, I've watched like university of Texas and Texas and nothing else. Cause that's what I grew up doing. But Utah state literally was for a time as bad as UConn football and UMass football was at this moment. They were part of the Sunbelt conference. Mm-hmm. They were so bad when like they couldn't get into a conference when the big West dropped football, they were playing when they had seven non seven conference games when leagues were a little bit smaller, they were literally not playing a home game to October. They were going to Oklahoma, Auburn, doing an SEC tour, basically what Southern basketball did a couple of years ago, where they literally played every game, non-conference, road games, money, money, body bag, paycheck, bad games you could get to survive. Mm-hmm. They were that bad in that team for a very long time. It wasn't until Gary Anderson came around where they decided to I don't know what happened, but when they went seven and six to go to the Idaho Potato Bowl in 2011, everything's changed. Ever since 2011, they've only missed bowl game twice, and that includes 2020, whereas one and five, it's kind of that year was just disastrous. So they've been to a bowl game every year since 2011, and they're no longer that team. Like I need to remind people, like Utah State fans, they should be better. I'm like, if you're anybody that's probably my age or 35 or older, you know how literally. Utah State Aggie football was the worst team in the country, and it wasn't close. Now, see, I know that I know that Colorado State likes to they, they like to look at Boise State as being the team that they'd like to be. I think it's more accurate to say that Utah State should be the team that Colorado State wants to be, at least for now, until you get because there, Utah right? State's sort of living life that Colorado State fans want for themselves. Bowl game almost basically every year, maybe one or two down years, kind of pesky. Then get ten wins every third year or something. Yeah, and and it's often been pretty exciting football too. Heck yeah, Devin Topkins, oh my goodness, amazing. Exactly. Jordan Love, holy crap, record-setting quarterback. He he'll do something in the NFL one day, right? Yeah, Bobby, and, then, and, then, and then and then Logan Bonner will rewrite it. Yeah, Logan Bonner. You have look guys in the NFL right now. Like they have a lot of NFL talent too. Like that's out there doing good things. You had uh, for a while their running backs. Um, for uh, space your name at the moment, Robert Turbin, guys like that. Yeah, Kerwin Williams, were, right? Yeah, Colonel Williams, Robert Turbin, yeah, they're hanging out in Seattle. You have, like, they, they're a team where it's just weird. I feel, I, every time I think about it, I feel bad because we were kind of down on them, but they were just a team that was, wasn't seemingly consistent, or maybe, they, maybe we had too much expectations past year. But I think what they should be is based almost what Air Force is every year, in my opinion, just about. I mean, it's no coincidence that in terms of, like, win percentage, they're basically neck and neck with one another. Like, you know, the Falcons, are, the Falcons are slightly ahead, but I think that has to do with the fact that they played four fewer games. They have both the Falcons and the Aggies have won 64 games since 2013. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, they do things like this year, they lose Tompkins, they lose, finally lose, um, not finally, but he's out of, he's just eligibility, eligibility exhausted. Everyone's forever best returner in, like, school history and say record holder. Mm-hmm. They... Like the guarantee year, like with Frank Maley and Smiley and stuff, like that was just I don't want to say it doesn't count, but it literally doesn't count for how dysfunctional because for all the stuff Gary Anderson, Anderson did, like Oregon State, Utah State, he should never get a head coaching job anywhere in FBS again. I mean, I don't like think he, he's going to, but yeah. I know, but my point being, like, look at his actions for what he did. Like he literally quit. And it's like, oh, he's so noble, he's not getting his money and stuff for Oregon State or Utah State, whatever. But you know what? You know what it does? It screws over assistant coaches who have to look for a new job and have no guarantees. Mm-hmm. And they weren't making two million a year and they're making 
good money, but not like his type of money. You have to move your family again. And $300,000 in one place isn't as good as it is another place. And if your team's not good, it's like, it's, he's just not a great guy at thinking stuff like that. But as for what they should be, they've to basically right now, like eight, eight or eight or nine wins is probably what they, what should be expected every year. Just about. Yeah. I mean, I think what, what Anderson in particular has proven over the last what 18 months or so that he's been in charge is, you know, not only were they sort of an early adopter and early winner of sort of the new transfer portal landscape, mm-hmm. but, you know, now their, their, their traditional recruiting is on the upswing again too. And so I think if, if they can continue to bring in the personnel through the transfer portal and, and make that element of the game work for them, because even if it doesn't always work out, you know, in terms of like 10 win improvement, like it did last year. Oh yeah, please. <laughs> I think, you know, their ability to continue supplementing, you know, the, sort of the, the transfer reinforcements with long-term prospects is going to put them in a position to be able to compete year in and year out. You know, like I said, pretty much every single year almost. The only issue that could be a detriment is would BYU going to the Big 12 just because they would compete. A li- they were still always behind BYU, clearly. Yeah. But now going to Big 12, there could be a couple of guys, may- not many. It's not going to be, like, oh, they're losing five guys to BYU, but there could be that one guy or two guys that might, well, I'm going to BYU. It's uh, It could be a similar environment just because of if their religion lines up or type of, they want, they've lived in Utah and like, oh, that makes sense. I'm familiar with all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. And it's, and they're right there. They're similar, most likely be like that. What it would be would be Utah State's one of their better recruits and one of BYU's like middle of the pack, kind of. Yeah. And also BYU has like that, not really, but really wink, wink, nod, nod. Anybody who comes to play football gets a scholarship with their NIL deal, essentially, <laughs> kind of in place there, which is uh, not pay to play, but it is pay to play, but not really, because nobody knows what NIL is at the moment to, to enforce rules like them and Miami and other schools have. But even with that, they're a known commodity enough where if you're looking at Utah State or Washington State or Utah State, Oregon State, it shouldn't be overly difficult, a couple hurdles, but not climb the mountain to pull that guy to come play for your school instead. I know Oregon State's on the upswing a bit. Washington State, new coach. They're usually – he's been wonky with Rolovich and Mike Leach. Now they got a different coach there at the moment, the former Nevada guy. But if you're telling me you're going up against Indiana – or some random middling Big 12 or power conference school. Like, why can't Utah State get those guys? And then eight or nine wins. I just think like they should basically what they've been doing. I only think I think what I'd like to see a bit more from them is that when they're good, they're really good. But when they're just okay, they're there's a big swing between like six and ten wins, six and eleven wins. Mm-hmm. I would like them to be a little more close. So when they're not great, it's like or maybe not meet expectation might be eight wins. That's the only yeah, I get what you're saying. nitpick I have. Just like there's a kind of a big swing, like from Matt Wells going 10, 6, 3, and 6, and then 11. <laughs> like if you're not great, then be 5 and 7, be 9 and 3. That's that's like my only nitpick, but like bowl game every year, clearly competing for conference or excuse me, division title basically every year and maybe a conference title every four years. Okay. Because they've been to two conference, conference title game in 2021 and then was it 2013 or 2013 not 2018 interesting okay i thought it was sooner than that more recent okay final team wyoming cowboys i don't know um did you see the quote that coach bull put out about quarterbacks recently during i did 
Am I was I wrong to tweet out like this could be a, re, a robot quote or AI quote from the past decade? <laughs> I, 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 I was I tempted. I'm, I was tempted to do a, a like a Google search for Craig Bull quarterback performance. What, how, however you would choose to frame that that keyword search, but I, I didn't have time to do it. But yeah, I wasn't necessarily all that surprised. But I mean, I, I mean, you yeah. say you you say you don't know, but don't you really? I, I do, but well, here it depends. It depends what I'm thinking about. Like, who am I listening to on this? Am I listening to Wyoming Wyoming fans? Or am I listening to or watching what I really see? Where here's what here's what we know: offense is good. Or no, no, please excuse me. Forty defense is good. They send guys, Logan Wilson's on the Bengals playing, doing great things in the playoffs this past year. They have Marcus Epps with the Bills, I want to say. They have all these guys in the NFL doing well defensively. Josh Allen, in as much as we made fun of the quarterback help wanted, it was a smart thing to do. It's just kind of uh, seemed desperate, in my opinion. Their running game's usually good, for the most part, like going back to Brian Hill, Javon Valaday, guys like that that they've had on this on this team past couple of years. It's just it all comes down to honestly, their offense is boring. It's not very good, despite when they have talent. And if they could spice it up just a little bit, they would be a team that they could be hosting championship games in snow games with swirling wins and winning 17 to 6 over San Jose State or something. Like but like, they are like 2016, right? No, I'm just exactly that's what I'm saying. But they don't even like for as good as Josh Allen, like well. Josh Allen's amazing. We knew he'd be good. It was, it's just so weird. We think about that time we was in town when they had multiple, what, five guys in the NFL on the offense that at least played a little no, bit. No, I'm, I'm going to clarify to say that we didn't know he would be good. We knew he would be tantalizing because that's exactly what he was okay, in Wyoming, which, point, is, yeah. which is really like if you had to choose a descriptor to, 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 to describe Fair this point. program under Craig Bull, that would be the word I would choose. Because, like, and I mentioned this before, this this is the most successful stretch that they've had since Joe Tiller. It's also the most frustrating stretch too. They right? have they have not hit their ceiling at any point. But and am I wrong to say it's just offense? The quarterback, like, they're so boring and too conservative. I'm not saying they're thinking, well, there's the wind, there's the weather, dude. There's wind and weather. What does Colorado State deal with? What is like, what do these teams deal with in like in the mountains? What does Utah State deal with, man? There's well, no so, difference. Josh, in- Josh Allen could give them the big play. It was just a matter yeah. of doing it consistently. That was most. That was where most of the headache came from. But the, I mean, but but I say I say that because they they never hit their ceiling. Last year, in my opinion, was like their best chance yet. And they didn't come close, but they haven't really bottomed out either. Like, you know, they, they sort of cleaned out the cupboard in 2015 and they went two and 10. And other than that, they have basically been like, you know, it's maybe it's been frustrating for Wyoming fans to watch it and makes them want to pull their hair out. But at the same time, you know, that, you know, offensive coaches across the, the mountain West are pulling their hair out too, trying to face this team. He's coached. And developed to whatever degree you want to say, two first round quarterbacks in the NFL, top 15, I want to say, quarterbacks drafted. Uh, Josh Allen was seventh and Carson Wentz was second. Okay, top 10 quarterbacks. Thank you for even clarifying. Two top 10 quarterbacks, one Super Bowl winning quarterback, probably two at in a moment. And he is, and that's why I think where people are upset about it's like he's developed these quarterbacks who've been clearly successful in the NFL. And not always, I don't recall Carson Wentz. It wasn't necessarily him, 
but he was in charge. Like it was a more exciting offense to play inside. That does help. I'm not saying the weather thing's not a big concern, but like it's indoor and outdoor and that weather makes a difference. But you're right with Josh Allen saying tantalizing. It's like when my buddy I work with Scott Mitchell played in the NFL with Barry Sanders. He tells us all the time, Barry Sanders is great. I would he's like, I would rather have Corey Dillon. He tells me point blank, dead stare all, all the time. Corey Dillon was the best running back he ever played with as a, in the NFL. Hmm. Because Barry Sanders wouldn't go backwards for minus 20 yards and get naked and go for 14 carries and two yards in the playoffs when they get blown out when they're like the number one team in the NFC North. And he still gets mad about that game all the time where he was benched and stuff. But he like he tells me Thurman Thomas, Corey Dillon, for as exhilarating as Barry Sanders was, he wasn't the running back he wanted to have on his team because he was boomer bust. And that's kind of what Josh Allen was. And like when it worked well, it worked well. When it didn't, it did not look good at times. But when you have that pedigree of coaching two guys to the NFL, top 10 quarterbacks, look at the running backs he's put in the NFL, look at specifically defensive guys he's put in the NFL. The offense, he's just – him blaming the weather is such childish football. Like, go out there. You can be more exciting and not run the be predictive on first through third down. Everybody knows what you're running every time. When it's third and six, we know you're trying to pass. If it's third and one, we know you're running and – We'll see what happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just, they can mix it up just enough, but it's like when San Diego State went from the, the we kind of like well, what are they doing? They're pulling their fullback. Well, they go to shotgun more, but they bring an H back or tight end where it's basically the same offense, but you have a different look. But it's the exact same play, but instead of having like the jumbo set, you have a extra receiver or a tight end instead of a fullback. That's all the tweaks they need to do to be. Even though the stretch has been great, that's where they're missing of being a team where winning the conference title every six years or something, or twice a decade, be winning the winning the division every four years or competing right there. They're not far off, but everybody knows it's the offense that's holding them back. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. They Quarterback development has been one of those red flags for this program. Basically He's got two top ten quarterbacks. Come on. Basically, basically since Cameron Kaufman. Who who was who was a, a pretty good quarterback in that in that down year I just mentioned to go twenty fifteen was Austin Carter Samuels part of Craig Bull was that uh, Dave no that was Dave Christensen okay I'm just saying like that type of guy who I'd want him a quarterback but but and, and so I think you know next year you know thinking about the media future might be a speed bump just Isn't based Logan on terms the of, starting quarterback at the moment is not that who it's going to be from Utah State uh yes. Okay. Well, Andrew Peasley, you mean? Or not Logan Bonner. Sorry, yeah, Peasley. I'm like, wait, I see. I was like, wait, well, yes, Logan Bonner is. <laughs> wait, going that's to be a the good news. Sorry, <laughs> sorry I but, took no, no, it's all right. But um, <laughs> yeah, Peasley. But you know, they're they're losing a lot, especially on the defensive side of the ball. In the you know, they lost Jalen Pete, who just real recently committed to Northwestern. Solomon Bird left for the transfer portal. Uh, obviously, Chad Move is on his way to the NFL. NFL. Yep. Keon Blanket Baker's gone. ZZ Hearn is gone. CJ Colden is gone. That's a lot to replace while also trying to figure out for once what's happening on offense. So next year might be a speed bump. But in terms of like what Wyoming fans should expect year in and year out, I think that being in a bowl is probably the floor at this point. Yeah, they've been to bowl game three. While, while While also continuing to aim higher. And so I think, you know, they, they probably feel a lot of consternation that it hasn't worked out for them just yet. And I, I, I would empathize with that. But at the same time, you know, you, if you take the longer view, 
they're still like it's not the place they want to be it's still a pretty good place to be overall relative yeah, to where the program has been in the past yeah it's like utah state with matt wells for a little bit when he had those downturns like remember guys we were really bad yeah like, i think it's uh i think it was bill Connolly over at espn who came up with the idea of uh was it glenn mason territory I'm trying to i don't recall that well it's that's a reference to the to the minnesota head coach who well, he okay. won like eight or nine games all the time for, with, for okay. the gophers but then like they fired him they brought in tim brewster and then it immediately fell apart <laughs> because like they, they wanted a guy who could get them over the hump rather than the guy who could be consistent for them so like i don't think it's glenn mason territory yet i could i think i could start to understand though if, if people felt like it was if they're right back at seven eight wins like two years from now I think it's, doing... it's at some point they got to get over the hump, but as long as they at least keep doing what they're doing, then that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, it would be frustrating, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Switch over the hump because they, I didn't realize I'm looking at sports reference. They have not had a 10 win season since they went to the WAC title game in 1996. That's correct. 20 something years ago. So what's over the hump for you? 10 wins. They've had a, they have not had a nine win season since that same year. Yeah. I mean, over the hump is like, Winning nine games in the conference title, winning the conference title, or being in the title game, I some com- some title. combination of the two. So upwards from nine nine wins to being in the title game. Yeah, nine game. wins, ten wins in a conference title. Okay, no, I, I agree. I think getting to another conference title game would satisfy me for that, and that's probably going to take nine wins. The eight win year in what sixteen was weird because you had the three way tie with them, Boise, and uh, New Mexico. Yeah. So that, that was kind of court eight when that makes sense just because of what the, what happened and everything in 16. But it's it's also, I think another podcast will do down the road, like what's the best and worst jobs? And there's a million reasons like good or worst jobs. It's funny, like uh, I don't really care for Ari Washerman too much on the athletic. I sometimes do, sometimes don't, it just kind of depends. When I see him on the podcast, Andy Staples, I'm like, should I listen or not? Sometimes I just hit delete and not listen that week. But he makes a good point where Kentucky football could literally be the best college football job in the country because Mark Stoops makes good money. And if he wins eight games a year, he's never going anywhere. And he'll get a raise and extension like every year. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what job would be in the Mountain West, but Wyoming is one of the tougher jobs, like if not the toughest job in the conference. New Mexico, if New Mexico is the hardest job, Wyoming might be the, the next hardest job. It's right there. But if you can do what Craig Bull does or slightly better, you're going to be good enough where you'll keep getting, you'll keep getting paid. You'll get a slight raise every year or so, but you're probably not good enough to go take on a Big Ten job. Like if he goes, if he consistently goes eight and five, let's say his average, say he stays for the Mountain West for, he's been there since freaking almost a decade. Mm-hmm. So if he stays 10 more years or whatever, 10 and wins 80 games, like eight games a year average, he's not good enough. He's odds, odds of him being good enough to go to like Minnesota or some Northwestern job is unlikely winning eight games you're the Mountain West. To go to mm-hmm. a bigger job, you'd probably need to have that conference title win or 11, you know what I mean, like a, an elite amazing season. But if he's just an averaging eight wins a year, gets to a conference title here or there, like the next 10 years, he wins one conference championship, just but not, but he's not going to take another job because whatever reason. But he's always like between seven and nine wins, maybe occasional 10. He's not going to go anywhere. He's going to stay here, and Wyoming's going to have as good as they've ever had. And that's kind of where I think it needs to be. But I think at some point he does need to get to that pinnacle, at least get into a conference title game. Another one. Exactly. And it's like tough jobs. It's there's zero talent in Wyoming. 
you're competing like he knows what I do because North Dakota State, same deal. He'd get leftovers from the Big Ten and Mac. Now it's like, okay, you're in a better conference compared to the recruiting guys in the Mac. It's you're competing with guys in the Big 12, guys in the Pac 12. But I think the main thing, honestly, like which we saw in the offseason, you can't be a jerk to players. And I don't know how much he was or wasn't, but there's enough going around where guys with their one freebie to leave, you can't come in and say, hey, you're going to be our number two running back or number one running back or number one, like you're going to be in our two deep. And yeah, I could see you playing a good chunk of our teams. You could be a potential starter, at least in the back, it'd be a lot of playing time. But just say, you can't go out and promise that stuff then bury a guy in the depth chart and never play him. Or get mad when a guy doesn't want to play during the COVID year or something. Like you can't do that. You've got to be, but we discussed it before. You can't pull Todd Graham. You can't do what certain guys do in, in college. Well, that's why Gary Patterson is no longer coaching TCU, in my opinion, kind of what he does. But he needs to kind of be a bit more understanding and more because and be more honest. I get recruiting their stuff. The winners are brutal and difficult. Same in Logan, Utah. It's very tough. But if you're more open, honest to these guys, like, hey, yeah, if you work really hard, I can see you be in this job, but year one. We'll, we, we may have to redshirt you, but we can get you in four games and we'll see how it goes. Like, I think that's part of it too. Being it's any, not just him, but any college job where you can't say, Hey, you'll come start right away. And then they never play. And they, they block a hundred schools and you can't go anywhere to play college football again. Mm-hmm. I think that will help him as well to retain talent. And it's probably hopefully for him and every other coach in college football as eye opener, where if you're not nice, you're not as open or upfront as you sh- think you should be or honest, you're going to lose talent. And he's done well enough for what they have. And, but I think like as for my final critique or expectation, the win total, do you, would you say eight or seven? Where, where do you come from? I'm not sure. I'd be too, I think between seven and nine, but nine, nine's ever happened. So I can't say nine expectation. I'll go seven because would, nine hasn't happened since 96. I mean, I would say six at a minimum. Oh, six. Oh, six. Okay. I mean, because you're, that's saying you're, you're at least bull eligible. And at, at this point, that's the floor. He's I think you, you could you could tolerate you could tolerate a down year because they haven't really had many down years. Disappointing but I think, down, down. But I don't think that you know they're. I, I don't think that they would be patient. Let's say if they had like three losing seasons in a row, because I think they've no, shown they're... enough that they should be they should be in a position where they can avoid something like that. The past couple of coaches going back to. He had to go back to Vic Coning before they kept where they had a coach who had three losing seasons or still their head coach. Mm-hmm. He never had a coach. I'm going back to Joe Tiller, going back a long ways. He's the only coach where Vic Coning, the only one where they've had they kept a coach around who had more than two, two, well, three or more losing seasons. So like even Dave Christensen, only two losing seasons fire. Joe Glenn, two losing seasons gone. Vic Coning, it is his first three years. They were just so bad way to get rid of him. So they've had like they know when to pull the cord and get rid of the mm-hmm. guys. They're not going to give it an extra. Like even Dave, I forget. I think Dana Demo went somewhere else, but he went eight three seven three. What he went uh, twenty two games in three years. Mm-hmm. So they like there's not like that's the only time going in history. I believe even back to Al Kincaid in the mid eighties, there's been nobody. I didn't man Pat I coach. I forgot about that back in nineteen eighty. Crazy, but yeah, they know when to get rid of in Bulls. Their most successful coach since what Joe Tiller? Yeah. Oh, but not but not even close to Joe Joe Tiller. Joe Tiller, Paul Roach, those type of guy. So I don't know. I think you're right. I was gonna say seven, but I think 
Now I think I, this would be a six, a six win minimum team, no matter what, and going to a bowl game or eligible. I know in 2018 was weird. They couldn't get eligible, but, or couldn't go to a bowl game because of whatever. So that's where I stand on them. I think six wins in the bowl game, it should be the expectation. Mm-hmm. But if I go on top of that conference championship appearance, what, twice a decade, is that fair? Yeah. Cause I mean, one's coming up, right? That <laughs> uh, means they're due. Yeah, that's a point. Yeah, fingers crossed, do so. Anything else to add about Wyoming or anything else about our coaching or baseline teams? I think we've done a decent job. Yeah, I think we're good. All right, so we'll be back next week or next. Yeah, I think we'll keep it once a week. We'll see what happens. MWR.com, check us out. We'll do the Pacific or Pacific divisions. That's true. That's the quadrant days. See, Matt, I'm out of football talk here. I need to get know what I'm talking about here, even though some people may say that's all the time. You never know it's, it's spring practice for us, too. Let's, let's put it that way. Why I don't even know why I brought up maybe I'm thinking Pac 12 stuff. I've been doing a lot, I've been emailing and calling a lot of people from my radio show to get Pac 12 opponents on for Utah. So maybe that's huh. where my mind's at at the moment. So West Division next week. So send us some tweets or something. So I know I put this out last minute, but MWCR on Twitter, let us know, like, hey, what's your program? What do you think your program should be every year? If you see any good state, if you say 11 wins a year, we may laugh at you, but we, we maybe we'll kind of help your argument to say maybe it's nine and a half every year or something like that. Or if you're Hawaii with this or that, but it'll be fun. This is, I like doing this exercise because it's random off season stuff. We're not looking at next year really, but very little. We just want to kind of see where your team should be every year. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this and yeah, we're good to go. MWWire.com if I could speak today because it's late where I'm talking, but uh, yeah, give us a review. Let us know what you like about the show and we'll be back next week.